0: chance of humility and um as you're going to see here uh all through chapter 10 in exodus the bible talks about humility and humbling yourself and if you humble yourself god exalts you if you don't humble yourself then the proud get you home know, uh and bad things happen and so uh, uh it's a pretty funny concept when you talk about humility because i think all of us struggle with that i know i do myself at least at some point in our, in our lives We want to do things the way we want to do them, and we have our own desires and our own wants in life. And so uh, when somebody tells us, no, go a different direction, or no, don't do that, you've got to do this instead, you know, naturally, as a human sinful nature, we push back on that. And Pharaoh is the prime example. He does it time and time again. And uh, one of the things I thought about I was thinking about the word humble is, when I was doing a job interview with the Gideons, uh, they asked me the craziest question I've ever had in a job interview. And uh, we were doing like a, they, they asked me to rate myself on all these categories. And they said, rate yourself one to 10 on how humble you are. And I said, I said like, I don't know how to answer that. I said, if you say like a nine or a 10, then that's, that's, that's unhumble. And if you say low, then you're saying you're not humble. So I said like, it's really a lose-lose question. Um, and then, like, they thought it was kind of funny, but uh, you know, thinking about that question after the fact though, you know, it is kind of a good thing to think about uh, each of us individually, you know, if you were to rate yourself one to 10 on how humble you know, we are, one of us probably wouldn't be in the 10 category, I know, myself included, because there's a lot of times we can be prideful and we want to do things the way we, we want to do them. Well. And so I think humility is something we can all work toward uh, and become better at. And I think this verse is a great example and teaches us some great things in Exodus 10. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 10 is where we're going to be for uh, the tonight, tonight. And we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to kind of open up here. Uh, It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them. You may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did go into Pharaoh and they said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long Will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. So, as we begin to get into plague number eight, and then plague nine will follow pretty shortly afterwards. Before plague eight happens, you know, Moses says, that God has, has instructed me to tell you, Pharaoh, how long will you harden your heart against me? You know, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? And that's an interesting concept. How long you refuse to humble yourself before me? And as I was thinking about that, humility is, is truly the key to spiritual growth in our lives. God will never exalt us until we become humble ourselves. And uh, one thing I thought about in my own personal life, you know, how does this play out in the 21st century? Because obviously, this is going to be an extreme example of not being humble and getting, you know, the wrath of God. Um, but I was thinking about my own personal life. How does this apply today? And one thing I was thinking about when I first came into the Giddings, where I currently work full-time right now, um, I was the youngest employee there. Most of the people there were quite a bit older than I was. And so even though you know, I may have had a lot of technical experience and things like that, I was very new on staff. I didn't know, you know how the systems worked and you know, some of the ins and outs of the ministry and things like that. And so it was a pretty humbling experience because I came in day one and all these people that are you know, 40, 50 years old or, or older and they've been there for 15, 20 years, they're all very proficient with their jobs, they know what they're doing, they're, uh, they're high level, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know, this is my computer, I guess that's it, you know? And so it was a pretty humbling experience. But as I grew and started to know the role better, uh, things became easier and I, I became more confident. But as I grew in the giddings International, um, a few years ago, probably about two years ago now, uh, the boss that I had at that time, um, we just didn't get along that well. There were some differences there uh, in opinion and how things were. And um, and I started to, to struggle in that job because we just didn't really see eye to eye on a lot of things. And so I had to really kind of come, come to Jesus more with myself and say, well, you know what? Even though I don't necessarily agree with some of the things going on or some of the direction this person has, I, I got to humble myself because, you know, God put them in that leadership role. He's put them in that position, and, and I have to respect them. And as long as I'm not doing something unspiritual, I have to respect their decision. And once I did that and learned to say, hey, maybe we don't agree on things, but I'm going to respect their decision and follow that, I began to grow in a, in a major way in my job, more than I ever had before. And now, you know, um, a year later, that person has left the, the company, and I'm the supervisor now of that, of that division. Uh, and that's a big deal. And, and it's not because of something idea necessarily, it's because I had to come to a realization and say, hey, look, you know, I gotta be humble and say this is maybe it's not the way I want to do things, but if God put them there, He put them there for a reason. I have to trust that. And I have to respect them. And I think a lot of times this relates to our church life as well, because a lot of times, you know, the deacons or the pastor or the worship leader, you know, will say we need to do things a certain direction. And a lot of times it's easy for us as the church and you know, myself included, say, Well, I think things should be done this way instead. We should do things this way. And we all have broad opinions and the things we want to be done but as long as we're not saying something unspiritual they're doing something against the bible and a lot of times as christians we have to humble ourselves and say you know what maybe it's not how i would do things but i have to respect you, god's putting authority over us i have to respect the leadership that's there and i have to I have to I have to submit to that and when you do that when you become humble like that god ends up exalting you and exalting our church uh it says here in exodus 10 7-11 as we jump jump forward a little bit. It says, Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? And now he's talking about Moses as he's coming in and saying these things they don't want to do. And he says, Let the men go, they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. So which ones are to go? Moses said. We will go with our young and our old, and we will go with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and our herds. For we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, and I catch this part here. Then he said to them, The Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go with the men among you and serve the Lord, for that is what you were asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So you've got to see a different attitude than what we saw last week in Pharaoh, where Pharaoh was starting to kind of submit and say, okay, you know, I don't let the people go. This is not what I want, but if this is what God said, I'm going to do it. All of a sudden now he goes right back to his old state and magnifies it and says, it's my way or the highway. If it's not done my way, I'm not supporting it. And so, you know, he tells them certain, certain ones of you can go, but these can't go. And Moses says, no, we all have to go. This is what God's calling you. He says, fine, you all have to go, but none of you are going. And Pharaoh starts to become is my way or the highway, and we're going to see how this affects him uh, in the next few verses. And I, and I think that um, when we think about this in our own personal lives today, you know, a lot of times in our life we become so prideful that we not only ignore what God's calling us to do, we also ignore the warnings of those around us. And in this in this part here, Pharaoh's servants. Basically, come to him and say, "Man, maybe we should let the people go. <laughs> you know, we've had all these bad things happen time and time again, and maybe we should start listening to God. You know, maybe our way wasn't right." And this just infuriates Pharaoh, and he's like, "People are turning against me the way I want to do things," and so nobody's getting out. And I think in our church life, we're looking at how does this apply our church life. I think we look at this. You know, a lot of times. Um, we can have a mindset, we want to do a certain thing in the church, or the church needs to go in this direction, or do this, or do this. Maybe it's not a bad thing, maybe it's a good thing. But at the same time, if, if if everybody around us is saying, No, we should wait, we should do this, or God's calling us to do this, and your family and your friends are saying, you know what, Bradley, maybe that's not the best idea right now. Maybe you should put to that right now. If everybody around you in your inner circle is saying, Oh, probably that's probably not a good idea. And you're like, No, it's it's a good idea, I'm doing it. Then you you probably should say heed to those warnings because God put people in your life for a reason, and that's why the church is here. So we can encourage one another, support one another, and also keep each other in line. And there's, there's going to be times in all of our lives where we want to do something, we start going a certain way, and it's just not the right thing. Maybe it's not a bad thing. It's just not what God wants for us right then. And if we don't have great people around to say, hey, we, you shouldn't do that right now. Or just wait a second. Well, you know, give us some time. Wait on God. Wait for His direction then we're going to struggle. If we do have those people and we ignore the warnings, then we're really going to struggle. And and part of that becomes, again, humility. You know, are we humble enough to listen to others, to listen ultimately to God above what we think is the best? And and, and one thing I think about with this, and churches really struggle with this across the country, is before I came here, um, I did an interview on my home church before I took the job here. Uh, where I grew up at church. And uh, in the interview process, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a lot larger church. They had a huge staff and a huge personnel committee. And there was a lot of people in the room. And some of them said, hey, although we think you can do the job, you'd be a great representative here. We we question if the church will respect you because you grew up here and you're too young. Um, and, and they offered me a job. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and, and, and I think the reason that Churches struggle and that church now is split and they're in a really bad situation and I think a lot of times why churches struggle is because they have a mindset of like a leader has to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain fit. If it's not that mold, we're not going to respect that person. Churches have a really, really hard time respecting younger people in the church. Uh, Not just younger leaders, but youth, college age and people like that. And churches that don't respect younger people Typically, your churches just have a bunch of older people, and, and typically, when those churches older people die out, the church dies out. And so, in reality, we also have to question ourselves, just as a church family in general in the United States, and say, you know, do we have a mixture of leadership in our church? Is our church all they all look a certain way? You know, we don't want all young people. You want old people in the church too that have wisdom and knowledge you can pour into the church. You know, it's not good to have just all one or all the other. But if we don't have a mixture there in the church, all coming together as a body of Christ, the church is always gonna struggle. And ultimately, God doesn't bless that. And and, and part of this because we're not humble enough to say, you know, hey, maybe that person's younger than me, but God's called that person to be in leadership. Or maybe that person's younger than me, but maybe that person is called to sing and to lead, maybe we should give them a shot. Um, And and we we respect, we put our opinions aside and our pride aside and say, hey, look, whoever God's calling to lead, Whatever God's calling to serve in certain positions or a certain ministry, we're going to respect that and say, you know, God, your plan, not ours. One of the the things I think about is we're searching for our new pastor um, here at Legardo. It's a really important thing to note is one of the biggest mistakes church made, and it's kind of funny, but it happens in every job, too. It's not just church life. It happens in jobs as well. Is um, The church will say, okay, we want this in the pastor, this in the pastor, this in the pastor, and this in the pastor and they don't fit those molds, they're not for us. And most of the time when, they, when you do that, you're saying, God, I want this person as the pastor. And if you don't give me that, even if it's the right person, we're going to say no. And those churches struggle, when they get the wrong people in, and then they falter. And so I think as we search for our new pastor, we have to say, you know what, God? You know, we're not going to look at it. They have to be 45, 50 years old. You know, they have to have this, this, this. We're going to say, God, what do you want from us? What do you want from the person? Maybe they are 55 years old. Maybe they're 35 years old. But God, what do you want from us to lead? And I think if we can let all that aside and say, God, I'm going to humble us, humble myself, <clears throat> humble us as a church, and say, God, whatever your role is, we're going to follow, then God will show us the right man he's calling to be here. Whether it's he, call, he shows us that in two months or in two years. But he'll show us the right person at the right time, and then we'll be blessed because of that. Uh, So as you go through here, um, I'll also put here in Exodus 10, 16-20, you're going to see a different kind of humbling that that Pharaoh takes, and this is called the fake humbling and repentance. This is very interesting because Pharaoh kind of does this uh, in in the last chapter we talked about, but this is an extreme example of kind of faking the humbleness to get what he wants, and this is interesting here. So as you read Exodus uh, 10, verse 16, it says, Then Pharaoh hastily called uh, Moses and Aaron said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once. And, and he says only this once he, he asked this last time too, which is funny. Uh, and then he says, Plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord and the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted all the locusts that was the plague that was given. And drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. What's important to note there, we're getting close now to being in the last plagues, is the plague number eight is a swarm of locusts, which would be miserable. I can't even imagine. And it said there were so many locusts that they actually blotted out the sky, and there was darkness for three days. People couldn't see where to walk and how to live life, and that's a pretty miserable situation that people were in. And so Pharaoh is really feeling the pressure here, and he's probably scared as well. You know, it's dark outside. There's locusts everywhere. The land's in ruin. And so he comes to Moses and says, "Why don't Why don't you just please forgive me just one time? I made a lot of mistakes. Just forgive me this one time. Remove the locusts, and I'll I'll, I'll praise God and I'll worship Him, and everything will be all you know hunky dory." And uh. So although, you know, God knows Pharaoh's heart, he knows this is not going to happen, uh, he, he, go, he he goes ahead and, and does this to, to prove a point here. And so God takes all the locusts by this massive wind, blows them into the Red Sea, which kills them, and, um, and all the locusts disappear from the land. And so now Pharaoh's end of the bargain was, okay, now I'm going to worship and praise God and let the people go and honor him. But instead, the very next verse says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, he did not let the people of Israel go. And what I call this is a uh, fake repentance slash fake humbling. And I was thinking about, you know, we see this a lot in our society today. And I think all of us, myself included, have probably been guilty at one point, at least of this, where we say, well, God, if you just give me this, you know, I'll do all these things for you. You know, if you just you just uh, heal my sister or if you just give me that new car, or it could be any kind of thing you, you want to talk about, then I'll praise you forever, guys. And then all of a sudden, God heals that person or God gives us the things we want, although we don't need them, and then the moment we get that thing, we see that healing, we're like, you know what, God, I'm gonna do my own thing again. I'm gonna go my own way, right again. And um, so, you know, I read these. I was reading these plagues, and I was saying, man, how could Pharaoh be so ignorant and do this kind of thing? But if you put yourself in this situation, a lot of us, including myself, have been there before. And you know, we've, we've done that too, and so we're not immune to that. And so I think, you know, as, as we as we look about our own lives and as our church family. We have to make sure that we don't just come to God when things get hard. You know, when things get tough and we say, God, please do so and so. And if you do it, then I'll honor you. You know, we shouldn't have that mindset. We should honor God whether he comes through or he doesn't come through. You know, because in all reality, none of us deserve to still be here. None of us deserve eternal life. And God's already given us that. Whether he gives us anything else on earth or not, it's just upon us. You You know, heaven's waiting for us for all eternity. And so whether God gives us what we want or not, God's going to give us what we need, and he's going to do what he wants to do in the right time, whether it's what we want or not. And so I think the mindset we have to have is that, you know, God, I'll, I'll please kill this person, or please come through. We even, even if you don't, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to worship you. Because maybe I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. But I'm going to trust that your plan is better than mine, and you know more than I do. And if we have that mindset and that kind of humbleness we'll begin to see God move in incredible ways in our life. Because like it says in the Bible, God exalts the humble with the pride or love. And so think about that as we go through our life today. um, God doesn't look at what you say necessarily. He looks at your heart behind it. You know, I can say all the right things up here, and you can say all the right things there, and at your work, and you on Sunday mornings, we can all say the right things. But if we're in our hearts not in the right place with God, It's just words. You know, it doesn't really matter. And I think we think about that in our lives today. It applies to every single part of our life. And then we talk to our spouses at at night. We tell them that we love them. You know, it's great to tell our spouse that we love them. do we show that throughout the week? Because if we don't, it's just words. And they, and they they begin to not mean as much. When we come on Sunday morning, we praise God for who he is and say, You're my Savior. or You're my King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And we praise Jesus for the things he's done for us. But then we go and live a very contrary life to what the Bible preaches, and it's just words. We don't really mean it. And so I think this is a call to action in our own personal lives to make sure that our heart matches up with what we're saying. You know, what we, what we say matches up with what's on the inside. And if it does, again, God honors that. He honors the heart. And if, you're, if our hearts are all aligned to him, God will bless our church and bless our lives individually in ways we can't even see right now. Even though we don't have a pastor right now, even though we don't, you know, have some things that maybe we would want right now. If all of our hearts say, you know, God, I'm going to honor you no matter what. I'm not just going to say it, but I'm going to do it. And when you show up that way, God's going to bless that. He's going to bless us in ways that we can't even think about right now. We're going to look back in two years and say, man, look at all the things God did during that time and how God used us. And we're going to be thankful uh, because we turned our hearts to him. And so as we go through here. Uh, the ninth plague will happen because Her- Pharaoh did harden his heart and he didn't choose that route. And so here in Exodus chapter 10, uh, verse 21 is the plague of darkness. And it says here, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there might be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. That's an interesting point, a darkness to be felt. That's, that's need to think about that as we go through so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness and all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three whole days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. So again, he, he, he says, some of you can go, not all of you. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings. We may sacrifice the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. We must take them to serve our Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve God the Lord until we arrive there. Now the last part in verse 10 is pretty shocking. Then it says, Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. From the day you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, "Well, as you say, I will not see your face again." And this is when we're going to get into the play of the Passover. Um, and when I get there, the last part of humbling that Pharaoh misses here is he refuses to humble himself because he's too prideful in the direction he's walking in. He's he's gone so far and did not let these people go. He's made up his mind so much so, even though at this point he's completely irrational not to let the people go, his servants have turned against him, people in Egypt have turned against him, Moses is telling him this, God's telling him this, and everybody's saying, you've got to let the people go, Pharaoh. He's so stuck in his way, he's made up his mind, that no matter what the consequences are, he's going to do it his way. He's going to try to prove everybody else wrong. And a lot of times I think in our lives today, if we're not careful to humble ourselves, Early on, when we start going the way we want to go and not how God wants us to go, we can get to this point. And when you get to this point, bad things are gonna happen. Nothing's ever gonna go right when you get to that point. And what I think about here is that sometimes we convince ourselves so much that we're right, that we're willing to do anything or risk anything to show people why it's right. Um, and it's funny because sometimes um, kids especially can do this you know, they'll they do something. They want to go to a party or an event or so and so. They'll say, "Well, mom, dad, I, you know, I want to go to this party. You know, it's, it, this be a great event." You say, "No, you shouldn't do that." You know, you talk to some of the other people in the church, and like, "Oh, that's probably not a good idea." But because they're so convinced this is going to give them this great joy, this great happiness, they'll do whatever it takes to go to that party. Whether it's sneaking out, whether it's you know calling their friends, you know, pitching a fit, complaining, throwing things, you know, especially you know, and some kids go to the extreme, and it's like. If you look back on it, a year or two later, you're like, I probably shouldn't have gone to that party. That was probably a bad idea. And I probably shouldn't have gone to that event. That was a bad idea. But in the moment, you're so focused in on why you have to be right and they have to be wrong that you totally lose ration uh, and you totally lose reason on what's actually right. And so I think it's just a great reminder for us in the church to make sure we never get to that point, to where we say it's our way or the highway. And no matter, even if everybody in the world is telling us it's wrong, we're going to do things like this because we want to do it this way. We're going to convince everybody else it's right. Because once you get to that point, darkness sets in. Uh, And that's what happens here in the ninth plague. Now it's just darkness. You know, there's nothing good in the land anymore. Uh, And and, and people realize that something's seriously wrong. And, And then what follows darkness is death, which is the Passover, which will come next week. And so I think it's a, you know, this is a pretty tough chapter to read and to, and, to, and, to, and to handle, but I think it can also be an encouragement to us because God could have easily, on plate number one, said, Pharaoh, you're not going to follow me. You're done. I'm going to kill you and all the Egyptians, and you're all done. But he gave them time and time again. And it wasn't like this was just the next day. I mean, it was days to a week or so apart from each play, So he had, you know, truly months To repent and to turn back to Him. In our lives today, we're going to all get off track. We're going to all go down the road we shouldn't go down from time to time. We're going to think we're right and our opinions are the best. We're going to exalt ourselves and and not God. But when we realize that, when somebody comes around and tells us that, when God's calling us and saying, hey, look, repent, turn back to me, remember that God is gracious. And if we just turn back to Him, we're not going to see all this darkness. We're not going to see the church go down. We're not going to see our home lives go down. We're not going to see our, you know, our friendships fall apart. If we turn back to God, he exalts the humble, and he blesses us once again. And so as a church family today, um, I want to just encourage us, wherever you're at in your personal life, You know, make sure your heart is right with God. Make sure you're not just saying the right things, but you're doing it, and you're living the right way. Because if your heart's aligned with God, No matter what life throws at us, we're going to be blessed because of that. And it says in the Bible that no matter how tough life gets, if your heart's in the right place, you have the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And when you have that inside of you, that comes out in all the things you do. And people around you that aren't Christians, that aren't believers, that are living in that darkness, that are living in their way or the highway, they see that you have this joy and this love they don't have. You know, Pharaoh at this point is a broken, broken man. And he's, not in a, he's not in a happy state. And you know, He's frustrated. He's mad. He's bitter all the time. He doesn't have friends anymore. He's in a really bad place in his life. But if he looks around and says, all these people follow God and they're happy. They're joyful. They have less money than him. They don't live in the palace. You know, they, they don't have all the things that Pharaoh has. But yet they're happy and they're joyful and have peace about them. that comes from God. It doesn't follow in Him, and if we if we have that kind of faith, we put our hearts in line with God, we'll experience that too, and God will bless us. So Let me pray for us here tonight, Lord. I just pray that no matter what happens in life, no matter how tough or challenging life may get, and it will get hard, it has, and then it will be uh, until we until You call us home. We live in a broken world, but God, uh, I just pray. just pray that, God, we we, we totally give our hearts to you. That no matter what happens in life, that we we turn our full focus, our full direction, and our full hope to you. And whatever you call us to, God, whether it's something that we think we should do or whether it's something totally contrary, I ask that, God, we accept the call you put on each of our lives. We accept the call you put on our church. We run toward it, running toward you, knowing that, God, you're going to bless us through that. And we look back we're going to be glad that we followed you, because we're going to see the love and the joy and the peace and the blessings that you've bestowed upon us and your mighty and wonderful plan, and they'll be fulfilled. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank y'all guys very much for being here tonight.